Servus and welcome to another episode of the Pro Hockey Pod, episode 47. This week we're on the road again and I uh, decided to bring on one of our veteran guys, you know, been around a long time, played over in North America as well. And I think it's always cool to hear, uh, you know, from a German guy who went to got experience in North America, especially in the NHL there. Um, this guy's resume speaks for itself, as I said, played in many top leagues, um, always been a competitor. Pretty funny guy, too, when he wants to be. Um, happy he's joining the podcast this week. Uh, Corbinian Holzer. Hello. How are you? Good, man. I'm, <laughs> man, like, I'm happy you're here because, uh, as I mentioned, like, kind of your career, it's, um, you know, recently I think you've seen a, a few more Germans go over, but you were one of the, one of the original guys, I would say, that kind of went over there and, and slugged it out. But we'll get to that later. But, um, you know, you were born in Munich. Um, what's kind of like your earliest childhood memory of like growing up? Um, I'd say just like I was born in Munich, obviously, but uh, I'm from a very, very small village, like where it's like 1500 people, maybe. And just growing up there, it was a uh, very, very easy in a way of like you didn't have to worry about anything. You're just like basically back in the days, like, like you said, I'm more like an older guy. Um, we didn't have any smartphones back then, so it was like going coming home from school, and you just went right outside. Uh, told your mom like I'm, I'll be back for supper or whatever it was, and uh, you just went out and played. And those were like the memories that always kind of stuck with me. Like always hung out with my older brothers, two older brothers, and they always kind of took me under their wing. And uh, we did a lot of fun stuff when I was a kid. And uh, I always had the the luxury of like like playing soccer or like playing hockey with like older guys and uh even playing baseball like like i said i went outside and played sports and uh those were the memories i kind of cherish and uh just growing up in that small town small village um atmosphere uh really something uh i'm looking back at and i'm like this uh yeah this was a fun time as a kid hearing uh like germans like play baseball at a young age is kind of rare i was like normally it's obviously uh Football or soccer, as we say in Canada. But did your did your older brothers and did they play hockey as well? They did, yeah. They uh, both played not like professionally, but they went all the way up to like my hometown team back then uh, was Garrett Street. Um, they played like one or two games, I think, in the first team, but that was like third league or fourth league, and mm -hmm. then they kind of figured that they probably wouldn't make it, so they kind of focused on like uh, starting like a job, like a regular job, and. Uh, yeah, they had a good time. They still sometimes play uh, like kind of like beer league style, but uh, yeah, they just uh, enjoyed it when while playing. And for me as a kid, like obviously, funny story when I started was uh, my one of my older brothers, actually the middle one, he was watching uh, hockey on free TV back then. It was still on free TV. <laughs> he was watching it and he told my mom like he wants to play that sport. And my mom was like, okay, like might as well grab all, grab all three of you. And take you to the next, the closest uh, hockey team we have. So I was the youngest; I was three years old starting. And uh, yeah, thankfully to my brother, he uh, he said he wants to play it, and uh, I got lucky. Start early. Like in Germany, as as you know, like the main sport is is a like football. Um, and I'm always curious, like what kind of attracts a you know a German guy to, to hockey. Obviously, you as kind of your brothers and your mom saying, okay, all three of you are going to play this sport, but. Uh, you know, was was also like soccer kind of a thing you did in the summers or was it? It actually was, yeah. Like obviously in Germany, first thing you do when you basically pop out, 
you kick a ball. Right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what everybody does in Germany, you know, like uh, it was huge. Like, like I said, like you grab a, like a soccer ball, football after school, you hang out with your buddies. It's the easiest sport. Like you get so easy to mm -hmm. just play. Um, it's basically like in Canada, have all those outdoor rinks, you know, like we have like soccer fields all over the map. Like even the small village I was in, we had two or three, you know, we just go out on field or whatever. It's all, all it takes is a field and a ball and you can play. And so obviously it was huge and, uh, I was actually not too bad in it. Um, I, uh, I went all the way till, uh, 15, 16, um, was like in the provincial national team. And then I had to make a decision, uh, either stay with hockey or, uh, stay with soccer or football. And back then, uh, I was just about to jump to the next level on, on football, which would, would have been like higher. I don't even know, like maybe almost under 16 mm -hmm. national team stuff. And I was about to get to the under 16 national team in hockey. So, um, for me, I just made the decision. I want to play hockey because it was just more fun for me playing. And, uh, yeah, maybe a little better chance of making it with like so many kids playing football in Germany. So yeah, it, uh, it turned out pretty good for me. Well, that would have been a good way too. just thinking about it, like for you to kind of like stay in shape for kind of both sports, because as you know, very well, it's, it's rare for there to be ice in Germany in the summer. So you would be you know, kicking a soccer ball around running and that would be a good cardio exercise and stuff like that. That's what I did. I actually, uh, every summer, like back then we had the, when I was in Germany, my first few years, I like got in the second league in Regensburg and then Dusseldorf in the first league, um, the three years, we always had those eight month contracts back then. There were mm -hmm. 12 months contracts like now. Um, so you had to do something in the summer and like basically, uh, you were unemployed, I would say. And then I was always, as soon as the season was over, I would play with my, my hometown soccer team and, uh. I would always like no practice, jump right into the games because the, the coach knew I was the best in shape. <laughs> he put me center midfield, so I had to run the most. And it was just a fun way to hang around uh, another sport and just different vibe. Obviously, a lot of running um, opens up the hips a little bit compared to hockey over the season, mm -hmm. right? So it was a good uh, counter sport for me, staying in shape, um, different cardio. I was always so fucking sore after game one. It was insane. I, I was like, you play the whole year and then you play playoffs and you're like, man, I'm, I'm in the best shape ever. And you play one soccer game, a football game. I was, I couldn't even sit down to take shit. Like it was that bad. Like sometimes it was so bad. And after, after obviously like after a few more games or like, I don't know, a few more weeks of practice and everything, I still practice sometimes. My, my brother is coaching or like was coaching the hometown team there. Mm -hmm. Then sometimes if I have time, obviously now you have to be a little more aware with injuries and stuff like injury. Um, kind of making sure you're not getting injured but sometimes i just like it as a good cardio hang out with the boys and then have a beer after or something in the summer and it's good cardio and great good sweat yeah it's definitely a good uh good activity to do um kind of back to your hockey your hockey side though so what was like your minor hockey path growing up like i know you played in bad tolls a bit like were you there the whole time and and also like how is it structured like obviously as you know in canada that everyone plays hockey so it's a different structure and i'm just curious how it was for you growing up um, yeah, like I said, like I started off in, in Gerritsried. Um, that's a small town, maybe 30 minutes away from Munich, like in maybe 20 minutes from Bartolz. Um, I did my whole junior ranks pretty much there. I started like skating, I learned skating there, all the stick handling, had a, like unbelievable junior, like kids coach or whatever, your peewee coach or whatever you want to call it. 
who basically taught me all the basics. He was he was tough, but he was uh like really, really good in like teaching the basics. Like I don't know how many um circles I skated just to work on like skating stuff, you know, like and we were always had the best team. Like back then when I when I was a kid, we had those um uh, skating competitions before the games. And it was like two or three exercises where we had like the whole team had to go, even the goalies. And it was kind of like a parkour, like you see in the Ulster game, you know, like agility mm -hmm. or whatever you call that. I don't know. Just skating though, no puck. And we, we've won like every single one of them through the whole year. And it was like, I don't know, let's say 40 games. And before every game, there were two. So we won every one. So we won like 80 skating competitions. And it was, it was just like a, a fun way to do the skating and get better. And then, by the time I was like, uh, was it 14? Yeah, 13, 14. Um, all of a sudden, the, like in summer training, one of the coaches we had back then, a different guy, he just didn't show up for summer training. We had the whole team like assembled for practice, summer practice, and uh, all, of, all of a sudden there's no coach. And then the team manager came in. He's like, uh, yeah, the coach quit. And we're like, what do you mean? Like, <laughs> What are we going to do now? Like, yeah, well, I don't know. Like, we'll hopefully, get another coach, and we you guys can play soccer now for an hour, and then you guys go home. And I said, well, what, what's for next practice? Mm -hmm. Well, we don't know. So the coach pretty much left us, and it was like just right before we went on the ice. So we had that um, um, tournament with the Bavarian um, national team back then, and a couple guys and I from my team were leaving there, and then. We had that tournament and there was a couple of guys from Bot Tolts there too, same age. And they were, hey, why didn't you guys come to us? Like, we could use you. Like, we, we really need you. And it would be so much fun if you come to us. And we always had a good time with them when we were there. And back then, a buddy of mine and I decided, like, yeah, why not? Like, we don't have a coach. We don't know where it's going. And then in Bot Tolts, they had the DNL team, the junior league team, just freshly started. And I was kind of like, uh, for the future, something we were looking at. So... My buddy and I, who were supposed like we were neighbors too, so it was kind of easy. Like we came home from a tournament, and I told my parents, "Hey, I want to go to Bud Tolts." And my my mom was like, "What the fuck are you talking about? Like, no, why? Like, I'm not going to drive you back and forth." And then, thankfully, my neighbor, my buddy, was saying the same thing to his parents, and then they figured it out. Okay, like we can drive you. Like we can figure it out. They drive, mm -hmm. they drive we drive, whatever. And that was uh, the move to Bud Tolts, and uh, we went there for one practice. Said, "Yeah, perfect. You guys can come." And that was uh, was that under fifteen, I think, back then. And uh, yeah, that's when I made the move to Bud Tolts. Played one year there. We won the, like, we almost won the championship that year. Like we finished second, and then we moved up to the DNL team. Um, played there for two years. Had a great coach, Rick Boom, who's one of the best in the business in that age group, I think. For me, especially in the, the the system he built there, or like the yeah the whole stuff he built with that small market team and that league was huge. I remember the one year we we were second place and we went the last two games to Mannheim and played a young Atla back then, and they were like everybody knows. I think they won like what twenty one championships in that league or by now, and back then they were just a juggernaut. They were beating everybody by double digits sometimes and we were like second place and just four points out first and we beat them both games and finished first like we lost in the semifinals to berlin because berlin brought all their top guys from a dl down who played in the oberliga and then played in the dnl mm. so all those guys who won championships with berlin later we played in the semifinals but that was a good year and uh that was fun and then 
for my final year in the DNL, Bartolz got bankrupt again, and they made an opportunity for younger guys um, to come up to play in the second league. They kind of managed to stay in the second league. I don't know how they did it, but they managed. You know how it is sometimes in Germany. It's kind of weird. But um, so I got an opportunity to be 16 and uh, 16, 17 and play in the second league. And I was Axel Kammerer, who's a coach there again now. And uh, yeah, I I took full advantage of it. Um, got drafted after that year um, by the Leafs. And unfortunately, we went down to the third league, but uh, we lost the last game and the fans was a packed house and in Tolts and the fans were cheering us on like we won the championship and we just went down. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of... Um, very very sad in one moment but on the other hand it was a really good experience for me obviously like i said i was 16 17 um, getting the chance to play pro hockey in the second league um and giving me a chance to get drafted was uh was huge for me obviously getting drafted is uh a great achievement and, and at this time too probably rare for a lot of germans like so that obviously shows a testament to kind of how you were as a player and your work ethic as you mentioned before but I was curious, like before even getting drafted, when you were kind of coming up through bad tolls there and then starting to play some pro games, had you ever thought about going in North America like a lot of guys do now, whether it's through the import draft in the CHL or college, or was it just back then it was like, try to get to, you know, to the DEL or to the highest level in Germany and see what happens? I honestly never had any idea about junior hockey in Canada. I, all I knew was the NHL, basically. I. I don't even know if I knew about the AHL, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. you just had the, back then, I had the player cards. It was really hard to access NHL hockey yeah. back then, or even grab anything around North American hockey. So I had no idea about junior leagues. I had no idea about the AHL. All I knew was the NHL, and I basically just knew it because of those player cards, or like playing it on Sega Mega Drive or mm-hmm. <laughs> Super Nintendo, or, whatever, or Nintendo 64, or whatever, um, or PlayStation. But that was it. Like I had no idea. So I had no desire to think about going over there in junior, going over there for whatever reason you play hockey on the streets and obviously everybody picks their favorite player and you're an NHL player back then, but you never even think about going over there. It's just like so far away. And obviously for me and back then, especially my parents, it was huge for me to finish my school. And then after I did that, they told me, okay, like obviously that was the year I got drafted too. They told me, okay, now we can, you can try. Like we trust you, and we want to give you that opportunity. And you finish your school, like you have something in your hands. If yeah. It doesn't work out, obviously, but uh, for me, it was just when I got the opportunity to play in Tolts in the second league. It was, uh, it was an opportunity, but I never really thought about where it could lead. I just thought this might be a good step into pro hockey and. Um, like I said, I, I took advantage of the situation. I got a, a really good um, opportunity by the coaching staff there and um, just the whole around um, circumstances, how it happened and everything. I was fortunate enough to be in that in that moment at the right time, I guess. Um, but I never never thought about um, going to juniors. And I, I know people asked me before that, like, would you do it the same way all over again or go to junior hockey? And I was like, I I would do it the same way. Yeah. I played like when I was 16, 17, I played 30 year old people, like guys, like experienced guys. I played man's hockey. And I think that really helped me 
uh, mature my game maybe a little faster than just playing junior hockey. Obviously, there's some raw edges <clears throat> you can work out in junior hockey too, like off ice probably more. But um, when I came to the second league that year, I was, I think, 77 kilos and same height, like 190. And the coach told me before summer practice or like the summertime, and he's like, uh, you got to bulk up, buddy. So I was like, okay. And I did like no functional training. It was all like old school, like bench press, like uh, squats. Like we went to that old like gym with, like mm. that looked like, like, you know, the iron, like you can smell it and like everything. Metal weight. Yeah. Metal. Like it's just like tough. And like, but after the summer, I was like 87 or 86 kilos. And that really helped me obviously like with the frame I had just to fill that out. And I don't know if I would have done the same in junior um than i did playing like with pros mm -hmm. and how was it like for you making that adjustment as you said at such a young age like you're starting to play pro at 16 17 years old in various levels like you know was there a transition period for you or did you feel that you kind of just learned pretty quickly how to adjust and it ended up you know kind of benefiting you as you said you end up getting drafted but that's always like i feel like for the younger because a lot there's a lot of young listeners for this yeah. podcast and i feel like that's always a a common theme is how do you make these adjustments playing with older guys at younger ages? Um, I think it's tough to really pinpoint one thing. Obviously, um, that team I played and we had a lot of young guys um, that kind of helped. And um, the older guys we had, they were all like super nice. Like they were mm -hmm. super helpful in the way they treated us as young guys. And we were like a big family, but that team we had, and I think always like in that, in that town, su such a small town and such a small market that the imports that come in, they're really like, they embrace the challenge there and embrace living there. It's like really nice to be around the people and the people around the team are super nice and the equipment guys and whatever you have. Um, we had a really good culture and that helped me as a young guy to get like, I think used to it a little faster, maybe because you felt a little more comfortable having other young guys around too. Mm -hmm. So that helped. But um, overall, I think obviously it's up to you as a player when you come in to show the respect to the older guys, show respect to the game um, and work. Like I was just sitting in my spot basically most of the year. And if nobody was saying a word to me, I didn't say anything. Basically, I was like, obviously the younger guys, we would talk and have some fun. Um, we would have fun with the older guys too, but unless one of the older guys would come up to me and started talking, I didn't fucking really say much. So mm -hmm. um, I just did my business and tried to earn my respect and practice and through the games. And then I think the guys around me, the older guys, especially grabbed me. And then they, I, I remember that one scene, like Peter Gulda, who's a, a, a Czech guy, he was 39 by then. And, uh, that's when I found out that Toronto was, uh, was watching me. Like we played in Essen and uh, we got back on the bus and he sits right next, like behind me on the bus. And like, I come on the bus, I grab my food and he like tips me on the shoulder and I'm like, what's up? And, and he's like, sl sliding that card to me, you know, like, and I look at it and it's like Toronto Maple Leafs and scout name, like P Peter Inachuk, back then European scout. And I'm like, what is that? He's like, well, just let you know they're watching you. And that was like the first time I really I, like realized. So the NHL is like closer than, or maybe around you. So mm -hmm. now that you're here and for him, just like 
I hit obviously like I was like stuttering and then he started talking to me hey like don't worry about it they're just watching like they want to give you that like he gave me that card because I knew him he said like hey hand that on so he knows like maybe that motivates him a little bit and he can't like he calmed me down and everything so for me as a young guy um like I said just coming in earning my respect through like my behavior around the guys just being respectful for the game respectful for the guys and going on the ice and work my balls off basically every every day I could and just earn my respect that way. And then people will help you. And obviously, like, you got to listen. Like, if old guys who've been around, I was like a sponge. If guys would come up to me and tell me something or, like, try to help me out with, like, certain plays or whatever it was, I would just soak it up. Like, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try and, like, mm-hmm. do this and that, you know, just listen. Listen to the coaches, obviously. Um, <clears throat> you learn through through your career like what you can take and what it's not really beneficial maybe to your game but like um, as a young guy you just have to listen as much as possible and then you'll figure out what what helps you and like what benefits you for your game but just going out and having fun obviously helps and uh yeah like i said respect the game embrace the challenge and just uh, having fun with the opportunity and how was it the day that you found out you got drafted like that must have been just like a you know, yeah. dream a dream come true, but also like an amazing feeling. Because as you said, like up to that point, to when uh, Golda there on the bus taps you on the yeah. shoulder, like you really never had thought about like if it was realistic or not. Like you, you know, what I I, mean? I honestly had no like I said before, I I really had no idea like even about the NHL draft. Like you don't really follow it. Like that age, I had different stuff in my mind. I obviously had my school and like mm-hmm. you know the NHL from certain things, but I watched. Stanley Cup finals, yeah, I stay up late when the German guys like Uwe Krupp won the, the, the Stanley Cup. I watched the game, um, stuff like that. But like, you never really think about it. That's something that could happen to you until that moment for me, basically. And then uh, I knew there was something maybe bigger ahead if I work for it, obviously. And uh, just finding out then with the draft, like I had a meeting with, with Tampa Bay at one of the um, German national team tournaments and I was talking to them just like to one of their head scouts and he gave me his card and then there's now oh, there's those lists right mm-hmm. uh, like all those uh rankings or whatever you call those and uh at the end I think right before the draft I wasn't even on there anymore in the European side so I didn't really think about anything and I just followed the draft online like not on tv it was like just internet and i refreshed the side like the first two rounds i just watched that and then after round two it was like i don't know two o'clock in the morning or whatever it was and i went to bed and then the next morning i just got up in the morning and checked uh the rest of, like of the rounds i didn't even look at names i just like look at the the last kind of thing where they were born like so i can see the country i wanted to see who's the first german drafted because there's other guys who like been pretty much highly touted and we're supposed to go like either second round, third round, mm-hmm. whatever. And so I go through first rounds, first two rounds I saw. So I just started th- round three, no German, round four, 111. Like, oh, German guy, born in Munich, who's that? And I look at my name and I was like, wait a minute. And it took me like, honestly, I got two or three minutes to realize what the hell was going on. And I looked at the team and it said Toronto Maple Leafs and I was like, what the I refreshed the side, did it again. Like I, I, I was sitting there for five minutes in disbelief. And then I ran downstairs to my mom who was just preparing breakfast that day. And I told her, I was like, mom, mom I, I got drafted by the Leafs. And he's like, what the hell does that even mean? Like, what is this at? Like, who are the Leafs? Like, what, like, what does that mean? Like, no idea what, 
I was talking about. So I try to explain a little bit. And she's oh, okay. Like, oh, what, what's next? Like, what, what does that mean? I, was, I don't know. Like, and then maybe 10 minutes later, that scout called me that gave me the card. And he said, Hey, congratulations. Welcome in the organization, blah, blah, blah. And then he um, said, like, you're going to get a call from the, from the GM or like the team service guy or whatever. Um, they want to invite you to the prospect camp next week. And um, it would be nice if you could come and blah, blah, blah. And so I was like, okay, sounds great. Like, I'm ready. So that was like June, right? So a couple of minutes later, I got the call and then they were like arranging everything. And then that was for me, like that first moment, like I hung up the phone, I was sitting down. I was like, holy fuck, this is happening. So next next thing you know, I was sitting on a flight to Toronto and uh, joining that prospect camp. And it was, it was a blast, like unbelievable experience. Just so many things I've learned um, in that week where I was like, even if that was it after there was just so much that mm -hmm. I took home with me. And I was like, man, like, this is awesome. Just sitting in that locker room, you know, the Leafs locker room. And then we had like, um, stuff about how, how to handle the media in Toronto stuff. Like I will never forget. I even have that little booklet we got still at home was has like step-by-step, -step, like certain situations, how to talk to the media and how to kind of hear out what they're trying to do because they're always after you in Toronto. Yeah. Right. So, um that was that was amazing and just an unbelievable week for me and then that kind of started the whole um yeah process going uh um until i went over yeah and i'm curious like you know you end up going um i believe like the next three years or maybe a year later for three years i'm going to do stuff in the del before heading over and i'm wondering like had they communicated with you like hey we believe you know if, if you can play in the heisley in germany like this is good for your development and then if you have success there or like when we feel it's the right time then we'll, we'll bring you over to north america yeah there was constant uh constant uh communication through through my agent obviously with me too and uh with my parents and uh it was just like my first year in dusseldorf when i said i i played one more year in regensburg in the second league um we had uh leon Leon Dreisaitl's dad as a, as a as a coach, and they really wanted me there. And I had, I had a great year there. Like it was another step for me in development. It was a top team in the second league back then. They wanted to move up to the first league. We didn't quite um, fulfill their expectations, but for me personally, I had a really good year there. Like I played power play. Like I I took another step in my development. Uh, took on a bigger role. I had some injury troubles with a couple concussions that year, but. Uh, overall, it was a good year, and then I took the next step to go to Dusseldorf. And when I came there, I thought, like, all right, like, hey, I was top four defenseman in the second league. I come to Dusseldorf, and back then they're like a top four team in the league that the Metro has a big sponsor, and they were semifinals, and like they want to win the championship and stuff like that. Don Jackson was a coach, and I had the Fertilitzens for them, um, so like this license you can go up and down, right? Mm -hmm. And I joined them after our playoffs. I joined them. They were in the semifinals, skated with them a couple of days, met Don Jackson. And I thought he's going to be the coach because Alex Solzer was there. He went to North America over. Robert Dietrich was there who went to North America after. Um, and he had a high reputation working with young defensemen and uh, making them ready for that next step going over. So that was for me a big thing when I signed there. And then uh, I had signed and... Uh, they couldn't get an agreement and he left and went to Berlin, I think. 
So I was like, fuck, like, that kind of sucks now. <laughs> but um, they got another guy, like a Czech coach. And anyways, I came to the training camp and I was like, okay, like I'm fourth, like top four demon in the second league. I'm going to see how it goes. I can kind of a little bit cocky maybe coming in expecting like okay i'm gonna play i'm drafted like that basically have mm-hmm. to play mission like stuff like that and i look at the sheet the first day and i'm on the bottom of the sheet like all the way down and i'm like holy fuck <laughs> what, what is this gonna happen here like what's going on here so i was a seventh d probably and there's no under 23 rule there's nothing that guaranteed me any ice time um i had to i had probably sit with the fucking uh, backup goalie for, I want to say like the first 12 games and I didn't get one shift, not one shift. I would do stats with the backup goalie, Jochen Reimer back then. He was sitting back there and I was standing right next to him with my gear on the whole game, didn't get a shift, just practiced the whole time, tried to work my way into the lineup and then two guys got hurt in one game. And then it's basically the assistant coach, Mike Schmidt, who's an unbelievable coach too, like who helped really helped me a lot. Who was like looking around when the, those two guys went down. He's like looking, he's like, ah, oh, damn, you, you're in. And pointing at me, I was like, right, sitting there for like half a game, like absolutely freezing cold. I'm like, all right. And so I was like nervous as fuck. So I came back to the bench, I sat down and then I sat down beside uh, Darren Van Imp was a veteran he played in the nhl and everything so he he's been around and he knew like i think you could sense that i was a little nervous and he was my partner that game the rest of the game and he just looked at me and had he had that nose like i don't know he got hit in the face or like slap shot or whatever his nose was flat like a pancake like he's like you could tell like he's been around so he looks at me he's like hey holsey (laughs) just go out and have some fun and i'll take care of the rest and i was like all right Sounds good. And that was for me, that was like that moment where like, okay, let's take a breather and just go. And after that, I just played my way into the into the team. And when those guys came back, I was set as a top 60. And uh, from that moment on, I got hurt one time at the under 20 World Championship at the B pool. When we had that tournament in the last game, I, I uh, uh, separated my, my shoulder. So I was out for six weeks and came back, right back in the lineup. And we made it all the way to semifinals. And um, yeah, that was kind of like for me, just working my way into the lineup um, by, like, again, practicing hard, um, being a sponge in, in practice with talking to the guys and uh, yeah, being a good team guy. You know, playing with some, uh, some interesting characters, I would say, on yeah. that team. Um, obviously, one of them, our good buddy, uh, Marin Bazzani. Um, he always talked about how he kind of took you on your, his wing there. And, uh, he gave me some funny stories about you. Um, there was you one know, comment here. I, I need think to, I know what's coming. Do, do you think so? Um, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. So fan question from Bazzani. Are you still a fan of late night roses and candles? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I, what was the second one? Late night roses and what? Candles. <laughs> Uh, you want me to tell the story now or what? No, like you can, I mean, you can if you want. I just thought it was funny because he explained it to me a little bit. And I was <laughs> like, okay, that's that's pretty funny. But um, no, another guy you played with who I actually trained with, um, went to his house one time in LA, Jamie Storr. Oh, Storzy. And I'm I'm curious. Like I've heard so many stories about him. Um, 
there was one about him going up to Johnny Jackson or something in the shower. Like I just through 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 multiple stories, I've heard stories. But uh, you know him though, or you just hear the stories of him? No, I know. Like I know him. Like I yeah. used to train with yeah. him and okay. stuff. So, um, but he's a bit of a character. Oh, bit of a character. He's the <laughs> absolute character. Like you know how people talk about goalies are crazy or different. You just look at Jamie Store and you're like, yeah, he's a goalie. Absolutely. Like, but he's one of the funniest persons I've ever probably played with. And uh, he's like half Japanese, right? Yeah. He can't drink beer. You know that? Have, have you ever seen him have a beer? Yes. <laughs> it doesn't go. Oh, God. <laughs> he turns all red. He turns all red. And the stuff he pulls off when he does, it's hilarious. And like just him around, like obviously like he's so funny even in the net like when when in the games like sometimes he like there's a shot on net and you like box a guy out or something and he would make an easy save and he started like laughing he's like oh, you know like oh, that was an easy save thanks Holsey I'm like what's what going on here like he's a he's such a good guy and uh like it was uh it's great like skating with him and like his goalie school when we went over to to train there and just him being around obviously like uh when i was in dusseldorf um first of all he's an unbelievable goalie mm -hmm. one of the best in the league back then and uh yeah something really like another guy you can just talk to and you're like on that step to maybe making it over to north america who can really give you some insight and like how it is and what you have to do and just like teaching you about being a pro what uh, not to do and what not to do probably <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, but uh, yeah, he's awesome, and I'm very thankful that uh, I had an opportunity to play with a guy like that, and obviously other guys on that team um, who really helped me along um, getting ready for for North America. No, Storzy, um, when I was like growing up as a young goalie, he was like one of the older goalies at the goalie school. So it was him, Curtis Joseph, and then Rob Zap. Yeah, and him, he would beat Zap so much and it was just so funny and like zepp's like a more like quiet reserve guy and like stores he would try to get him going and then like i believe the one year they had a really famous playoff series and zepp won yeah. so zepp held that over his head yeah. for for a couple summers there but um you know after your three years there in, in Dusseldorf, like the last year you're not putting up uh 22 points there and you end up going to the the olympics there yeah so how was that like rep like i know you had done it on the world junior level but like you know representing your country in the Olympics. Like that's obviously a, a tremendous feat and honor. Um, yeah, it was, uh, it was amazing. Like that was probably, um, one of my top three moments in my career playing that Olympic tournament, obviously, um, it being in, in Canada, in Vancouver, um, best on best, you had all the NHL guys there. Um, and I think I still believe to this day that that game in the final, the Canada U S game, is probably the best hockey game to be ever played. Like if you, I just recently saw it again, like the replay and everything. That was an unbelievable hockey game. Like back then, a small ice. Obviously, I think that was one of the first times they played on a small ice the Olympics. <laughs> and for me, getting there, even I didn't really think I was going there. Um, I just played my first national team game. I think like early in the year, early in the season, in '09, and then. Uh, <laughs> I had a really good year. Harry Kreis was the coach and uh, I was playing power play. I was playing a lot of minutes. It was, it was a great year for me personally. And when I found out that I'm going, I, I flew over to Vancouver with the team. And, you know, like when we had this first meeting, kind of like introducing us to 
the rules there and whatever and like dress codes and stuff like there's a whole lot of stuff going on in olympics everybody had this little welcome package on their uh, seat where like you had to sit down where your name was and i didn't have one and then the, i was not supposed to go like they had everything set up for a different guy and uh his name package was sitting there and the team manager back then i was like hey um i don't i don't i don't find my name I don't think I have a package here. He's like, I, I, um, obviously like starting to stumble. He's like, um, yeah, you can just sit here, just take his. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. And I was like, okay. Like, <laughs> so it was kind of weird because I, I knew that I think they didn't plan on bringing me, but I just kind of played my way onto the roster. And then in the, like the games before I had good games and I basically didn't leave them a choice to not bring me. And, uh, I was fortunate enough to go. And it was a blast. Like we played Canada even, and like we didn't have a good tournament. Like we we weren't a really good team. We had that one NHL line, like Marcus Sturm, Jochen mm-hmm. Hecht, Gauci was on it, and uh, Seidenberg and Erhoff, and then we had Grice and Net. But um, there were like those dominant players, and like obviously if you have one line and you play best on best, it's it's tough. And um, I think we lost all the games, and then we played Canada in that play-in round. And I remember sitting in that food court and we were like talking about like, man, like Canada, they had a tough time. Like they, I remember like Brodeur was starting and he was having a good tournament yeah. and Luongo took over, but he was shaky and they lost a game. And then they were like, oh man, like a lot, the pressure was like immense. Like I think like you could feel in the, in the city and in the country, like if they didn't win that gold medal, any other gold medal, they didn't care. They only cared about that hockey gold medal. Like that's what it felt like. So the pressure was enormous. So um, we were sitting in that food court and we were talking, like joking, like, man, can you imagine we beat them and kicked them out of this tournament? They fucking kick us out of the country. They won't let us finish this tournament probably. But then they found their groove and they beat the piss out of us. I think we lost 8-2. But just going into that game, I remember I was sitting next to Alex Solzer on the bench when uh, when the game started, like the game, like every the, the players came on and everything. And we sat down on the bench and before the first face off, the crowd started cheering. And I was sitting there and I had goosebumps. I was at Solzy Lake. I was like, This is so loud here. And he's like, Man, this is crazy, <laughs> you know. So we played that game and we lost A2 and then we were obviously out. But just the experience, like the whole vibe around is my first Olympics, obviously. But um it was it was an unbelievable experience. Like I said, top three and definitely in my in my career. Yeah, it must have been crazy. And obviously that Olympics is very, as you mentioned, very famous for us Canadians. That game, uh, said the kid getting the game winner there. Um, so after that, you know, that's when it kind of your journey begins in North America. After that, you end up heading to that season, you head to to North America. Like, how was the adjustment for you first first heading over? Like, you know, you start coming to Toronto, playing in the AHL there. Like, how was the adjustment coming from the DL? Um, yeah. It took me a while. I think uh, the first few weeks when I was in training camp, I was always staying at the hotel and uh, it's kind of like a like honeymoon phase, I would call it. Like everything's new. Everything's like big city. Like you're so excited to get going. Like I had a really, really strong training camp and uh, they were even consider considering keeping me up there to start the season. And then they're like, ah, I think we should give him more time in the minors just to get a, like customated with the smaller mm-hmm. ice and everything. So they sent me down really late um, or like, yeah, close to to the start of the season, called me up again for the last um, uh, preseason game and then sent me that back down again. 
and that's kind of like when you get sent down obviously like you kind of expect it at first but you never really want it to happen but then when it happens like you're kind of down obviously and you get down sent down to the ahl and all this honeymoon stuff is gone all of a sudden you have to find your own apartment you have to get a car you have to take care about stuff you didn't even think about like you finally have to live a life and play hockey on the side and it's not just going to the rink you're at the hotel like it's not this like it's basically your life and mm-hmm. with playing hockey so you had to find a way to get used to everything like where do i go for groceries where do i do this where can i grab dinner like blah 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 obviously the guys will help you and there's another german guy uh, who went i was gonna say marcel yeah, Mueller was there, Mueller right? was there yeah. too um so we basically hung out a lot and uh but it i started off in the hl i started off really really bad like i was like the first few games i think my first game i was a minus three and then i think the next game i was one game i remember i was minus four and uh dallas eakins was a coach back then and um <clears throat> he called me in for uh individual meetings like after the first few games and i was like damn my man like he's gonna rip me like this is not good enough like we're gonna send you back to germany if you keep playing like i was like shit my pants going into this office and then uh we sat down and i was probably there for was it maybe three four weeks five weeks in north america and uh we sit down and he goes like so how are you feeling how is everything going how are you getting used to everything and i was like what do you mean like i didn't expect that question like i thought you're gonna rip me here like for my play on the ice and he's like no like this is not about like I want to know, like, I get it. That's it's tough, like coming over from a different country into like this big market and like everything is like, you have that training camp, blah, 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 this and that different game, smaller ice. Like, I just want to know, like, how you feel, like, how are you getting, getting used to how's, how's your girlfriend doing? Like, blah, 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 like stuff like that. And, uh, that really, really opened my eyes about like, okay, like this is not all about hockey. Like I can actually like have some time. Like I obviously want to make it faster than um it needs to be or as fast as possible but um i can breathe and actually just focus on hockey like just go out and play and just find your groove and then after that meeting i think i finished the season i don't know plus 15 or plus 12 i don't know like we went uh we didn't make the playoffs that year but i had a good year for me i got better and better i got my first nhl game in in november which is like just a couple of weeks later after the season started so um yeah for me after that turned everything around because it puts stuff in perspective that nothing like is always about your performance it's like how you feel like what needs to be done that you can perform the best and Dallas gave me that feeling and uh from that on I uh yeah I kind of took off then yeah I'm gonna bring I want to bring him up later because obviously you've played from now I think this is your third time playing playing for him but he I will say this like just knowing him from a short period here like the way he thinks about hockey and like just like human beings in general, I think he sees it from a very unique view to kind of go with your comment of you've not been playing up to your best and you think you're going to get ripped apart. And he's more asking like, Hey, how's the adjustment? How are you doing? Like, and that's, you know, those kind of coaches, I think like understand that for you at that age, first time in North America, it obviously was more about like, adjusting to the lifestyle the, the the pro life in north america versus hey why were you minus seven on the weekend or whatever it was you know so but no he's uh we're gonna come back to him later but um 
the your second year, I believe, in 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 Toronto there, like you were up and down. But the the Marlies that year, you guys went to the finals, right? Like that yeah. was that was the year you guys yeah. went against Norfolk. Yeah. Um talk about that playoff run, because you know, obviously, you know, in, in the AHL, like it's a grueling grueling schedule it's not as uh, as luxurious as the nhl but you guys end up having a really good season i know ben scrivens was your goalie that year he played played pretty well and uh you know there's some also some guys on your team also who end up being leafs later yeah. but uh how was that run for you guys um yeah it was uh it was awesome like uh we had a really really strong team and obviously like uh guys getting called up i was up and down a little bit i never i didn't play a game that year which was for me personally was disappointing because i had a really really strong season i kind of molded into that shutdown defenseman uh with uh, other guys and like we had a really strong team and if it wasn't for norfolk that year like they won 28 in a row and mm -hmm. i think they set a new record and then they were just a juggernaut back then. Like most of those guys out of that team went on to Tampa, yeah. and helped them win Stanley Cup there, and uh, we went all the way to the final. But like it was a great, like great experience. Like for me, going that deep into the playoffs, playing until June, um, the first time in my career was uh, was obviously first of all special and different, but it was so much fun because the group was so tight and uh, we just had a lot of fun i still talk to dallas about some stories of that year because we just had a tight group and no matter what happened we just go and it was it was fun and uh guys would get rewarded uh with, with call-ups after or like for the next year or like kind of set themselves up for for the years after and uh it was just tough to lose that final because i think like i said if it wasn't for norfolk any other team we probably beat but they were just so deep and so good and we went there for the first two games um, lost the first two games. We had so many guys banged up. We had guys injured, mm -hmm. and obviously, I'm sure they had some injured guys too who were playing through stuff, like it always is in playoffs. And we were just like we lost Matt Fratton, who was like the top scorer in the playoffs. That by the time he lost him in the conference finals, um, he was out, and that kind of hurt us. But in the end of the day, like we lost the first two games there, and then we went came home for game three, <laughs> and I think it went to double or triple overtime. I think it was double overtime. And it was zero zero the whole game. Scribby was playing unbelievable. And then Mike Koska, I will never forget that because Dallas, like the next year, Koska came to Toronto. I I, I tell that after, but Mike Koska got the puck on a dump out from our zone and got the puck in the neutral zone, turned around, and their guys were going for a change. And he wanted to go for a change too. So he just grabbed the puck, got the red line, and took a slap shot into the, the boards. I kind of rimmed it. Wanted, wanted to rim it around. Scribby came out of his net to stop the puck behind the net and hit the stanchion on the way in the corner. And it hit the stanchion and it bounced to the net and rolled. Like it, instead of going wide, it kind of stood up and rolled in like this in an angle, far post. And Scribby couldn't back, couldn't get back in time. And they won the game one nothing. I was at that game. You were there. I was there because uh, I had two two Burlington guys. So Corey Conacher yeah. from Burlington was yeah. playing, and then one of the guys who was like a black ace yeah. was there too. And I remember that. I was trying to remember how it ended because I thought it ended on like a weird goal or like yeah. a bad call. Yeah, no, it was it was at off the stanchion on the rim. Like, and I think like obviously there was no real video review like there is now. No, no, guys no. were saying there's a guy offside still from their team, but I don't know who cares. But that would have been like if we win that game, it's two one, yeah, and we have another home game. We lost it, and I think back then the AHL was two, three, two. Yeah, yeah. So we had two, three home games. So we win that game. It's two, one with two more home games. 
So we could have turned that series around. We lost that game one nothing in double overtime on a shitty goal, and we're down three nothing. And then next game, it was just that was a dagger for us. Like we couldn't we couldn't recover. Obviously, you try everything game four, but um, they swept us and yeah, won the, the championship. I mean, they deserved it, but for us, it was tough because the way we lost that game, that mm-hmm. something negative, uh, I'll never forget. Yeah, I, was, I remember being there too. Yeah, but it's funny though. Like I said, like Mike Costa signed in Toronto next year. And Dallas was still a coach. And first practice we had the Marlies because there was a lockout year. So yeah. we had all those guys yeah. down in in uh with the So Marlies. you so you stayed there for the lockout then? Like you yeah. stayed yeah. okay. Yeah. I thought about going to Germany because I but I couldn't because I wasn't like with the waivers. I did so many rules, right? Yeah. The waivers I couldn't go over and like so I was fine staying there because we had a, like a sick team again, loaded, absolutely loaded team. And then uh we started first practice. <laughs> Dallas grabbed my Costco right before practice, like, hey. We went to Rico Coliseum, and he's a he, he grab that puck, rim that puck. I want to see if you can do that again, you fucker. <laughs> Obviously, you couldn't do it, but like it's a, it was just a funny, funny story. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, another thing I want to talk to you about, like you obviously, uh, you know, being a German guy playing in the AHL, I thought it was pretty unique that you, uh, you know, were able to wear a letter too. You know, that's. I'd say that's a tremendous honor being a guy like obviously like English isn't your first language and you're coming over here. Like, did you feel that was a, like a tremendous honor at that age? Like, you know, you're probably in your mid mid twenties there, as I said, been over only a couple of years and already you're wearing a letter. Yeah. It's obviously a huge, um, for me personally and huge honor, um, to represent the team as an assistant captain. And, um, I took a lot of pride in, in wearing that letter. Um, for me personally, it's it's never about having a letter because I'm just me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't I don't change, and it doesn't matter if I have a letter or if I don't have a letter. I I try to be the best human being or be the best player I can be, um, no matter the circumstances. And uh, but obviously, um, saying that it it's a huge honor. Like it, it shows trust from the coaching staff. It shows trust from your teammates. It uh, it gives you um that extra motivation maybe, especially in the minors, <clears throat> that you're in a role that is a leadership role and you want to fulfill that and obviously be be the, the best leader you can be and uh, help the team uh, win some hockey games and also help guys um, that are, are new. Like in my situation, for me, it was like there's other guys coming over from Europe, not especially from Germany, but like from Europe. And I've been there for two or three years now and uh, just being that maybe that guy who can help them, who's been there, um, who can help them talk through stuff if they like i said what dallas said to me like how are you feeling how is their transition going same thing as me as a player like if guys come over from europe and it's their first year and you could feel them like ah they're quiet or they're just like i don't know if they're really comfortable like just my role is like okay make them comfortable too because i'm mm-hmm. in there and i know how they feel so um yeah it was it was an honor it was, uh, it was special for me obviously and uh um yeah i think uh, it helped me grow as a person as a player too no, one hundred percent. I had a fan question too, kind of about your time in Toronto. Like you obviously played a good amount of games for the for the Maple Leafs there, um, my favorite team. So uh, you know, hopefully they can uh, figure it out one of these days. But um, I think you were there. First of all, you were there during the. It was was it Berkey and Nonas were the jams when you were there. Uh, when I got drafted, it was Jen uh, John Ferguson Jr. Yeah, and then Berkey took over and Nonas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then my last year before I got traded was uh, 
Kyle uh, Dubas. He was already there, but I think he was. Uh, was he the head? Was he? I don't know if he was a GM yet, or he's just assistant GM. No, it would have been Lou Lamarello. Because he, because Dubas was assistant under him, yeah, but, but he was the Marley guy. Yeah, Dubas was with the Marley. Yeah, and um, who was the GM with the lease? Was it still Berkey? Like Lou wasn't there when I was there. Okay, must have been uh, Berkey. Then I think who came after Berkey? Was it Lou? No, Berkey was Nonus. Well, then it was Nonus. Yeah. Then okay, Dubas came in though as a GM for the the Marleys. Then okay, okay, so he's there because I know I talked to him because it was like. A couple of instances where it's like kind of disagreeing with some stuff and I talked to him a couple of times on the phone I remember and we had some talks and yeah known as yeah because known as told me I was traded yeah anyway, yeah you're right I was gonna say though you were definitely a like a Berkey player yeah. like just yeah. like I didn't know if he had drafted yeah. you but I like thought of it right away I was like okay yeah. this makes sense why why he was in yeah. that organization like yeah no I got um in that sense somebody else drafted me but uh with Berkey coming in, that definitely helped my case. Yeah, I think, and it kind of maybe changed my role a little bit because I think, like, yeah, I, I am a Berkey type player, but I also like when I was playing in Germany, I had like good offensive role sometimes too, like playing the power play and stuff like that. And when I came over to North America, I got more developed into like a shut shut down, hard nose defenseman, like mm -hmm. defensive defenseman. And obviously that has changed again now where there's no real stay at home guy anymore. It's more like everybody's part of the of the game or part of the attack now. So that has changed again and you don't really have those stay at home guys anymore. But um for me, like I love Berkey. He's like uh um always protective of the players. Like he obviously demands a lot, but he's he's hardy, he's fair. And I had like I have nothing but good words about Berkey, to be honest. He's one guy I would love to to meet one day i've read his book probably six times over yeah. like the stories how he is as you said like protects yeah. his players sees it a certain way and the way he builds his teams is kind of how yeah. I, I i see that too but um a fan wrote in and kind of wanted to ask about your time with the leafs there um you obviously had some characters on that roster um guys like phil kessel um lupo was there obviously for and kessel on the 24 7 or priceless just going yeah. back at each other um Kadri was a young guy back then. Like, you know, how was it uh, being around like those guys in the locker room every day? It was fun for sure. Like Loops was uh Loops was a great guy to be around. Uh, he's a true professional. And I think it really sucked for him with all the injuries he had, yeah. because I remember every time uh, he played, he was unbelievable. Like, he's so good, like scoring goals. And then he would get hurt again. He come back and he would like right yeah. back into it. And then he got hurt again. Like, he really uh, suffered from that. Um, Phil, like you said, everybody's seen the 24-7. Phil and Dion going at it. And man, I tell you, it was every morning. It was it was hilarious. These two, like we had the, the ping pong table in the middle of the room. And these guys were going at it. And I tell you, it was, like, the whole team was watching. Because it was just so much fun. Not even the game was intense. Like they're both good, like really good ping pong players. Anything Phil touches, like it's he's a freak of nature. Like anything he touches, he's good at. But just seeing them play and how competitive they were and how they like tripped each other is hilarious. Like you'd get your warm up in, and then they would say like, "Oh, we're playing." They hate Dion, you know, like how Phil talks and everything. And like Dion would come right back, and like everybody gets this, their warm ups in, and then we would just watch. And it was like the best. Like they, those guys were sweating, like it was like yelling, cheering going on. Is a uh, 
it was a fun time. Um, obviously, like we we weren't as good um, as we would like to be, but um, it was a it was a good group. It was fun to be around. Every time I got called up, um, it was it was fun um, being up there. Obviously, the Leafs, the the way they treat the players and everything is um, top notch. Um, doesn't matter. Like the equipment guys were unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Like everything was just top notch. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good experience. And um, very thankful that. Uh, I was able or like was given the opportunity to play some games for them. And then with the, like you end up getting traded there to, to Anaheim. Like, did you kind of have an idea that was going to happen? Like, was it kind of looking for, maybe there's a funny story cause you started laughing. I don't yeah. know. But I, another question I had, which I don't know if this affected us or not, like obviously in Toronto, Randy Carlisle was there at one point yep. and then he ended up being in, in Anaheim yep. when you were there. So I wondered if there was a connection there. Maybe there was, maybe there wasn't, but, uh, you can, I guess, you can explain the story of what happened. Um, well, my first few years there was Ron Wilson, yeah, um, the coach. And I can tell one story first is, uh, I was we were on a road trip with the Marlies for three weeks. Like back then, we had those grueling, like long HL road yeah. trips where we like go on the West Coast and or, like uh, in the middle, like I don't know, it was forever, like Chicago, Milwaukee, Peoria. Like yeah, you guys had the weirdest division. Yeah, like it was, it was wild. We were gone for three weeks straight, and come back for one home game finish off in the three and three, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, play Friday in Grand Rapids, Saturday in Rochester and Sunday at home against Hamilton. And I is wild. So we just came back from that trip, had that home game. I scored that game and I was just like so excited because we had like a stretch of two home, like two weeks of home games. So I was like, oh, finally back home and I just hang out a little bit. And they called me up right after the game going on a West Coast trip <laughs> to LA, Anaheim and uh, San Jose. So I was like pumped to get called up. But I was like, damn, we're right back on the road, right? So we got on a road trip, and then uh, I think we we played a game in, I, don't know, I can't remember, San Jose, and I think one of the D got hurt. So I thought I might play, and uh, I skated the next day. They called a guy up from the Marlies who came to like, fly to the West Coast, but I was like, right. like we played Anaheim, I think a 2 o'clock game or whatever. So I was like, okay, I'm probably going to play. Like the assistant coach was like, Saying like, yeah, be ready to play. And goalie coach, I skated with Frankie Allaire. You might mm-hmm. name his name, right? I had a lot of time with him because that year I didn't play much. Or every time I got called up, I never played. But I always did the goalie drills with him, and he was awesome. Like I loved him, and he was really respectful with me, and like he really liked me being around. Um, so I was ready to play, and then I came down for um the morning, like breakfast or brunch or whatever. Nobody would say a word to me. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. They called this guy up and like, but he should be the seven now. Like I should like, obviously I'm here for the whole week. Like I should slide in. Right. So I, I thought, I was like, what's going on? And we said, we had the meetings, like nobody said a thing. And I got up and grabbed some lunch, sat down. And then they've known us, called me over. Who's the assistant GM back then? Berkey wasn't there. And Ron Wilson was on the table too. And I walked over. And I thought they were going to say, hey, just enjoy it. Like, man, like, it's going to be a good opportunity, blah, blah, blah. You know what you say. And um, they look at me and say, hey, like, we're going to send you back down. But we just don't know if you're going to come fly back home with us or you can, you have to fly, like, uh, commercial back. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then Ron Wilson looked at me. He's like, yeah, you know, what? like, you played really well with the Marlies and we wanted to reward you for your play down there. But, uh, we called you up for that, but we didn't plan on playing you anyways. And I was like, 
excuse me, <laughs> like, why the fuck am I here right now? You know, I was like, that was the first time I was really, really like disappointed by that whole system and mm -hmm. politics over there, obviously. And yeah, that was kind of like negative experience, but like my trade, um, we were on the road and uh, I think we played in Washington and then we went to Tampa or Florida after, played those two games after, but Monday was a deadline. Played Sunday in Washington, Monday was a deadline day. We had a day off, and um, Ovechkin crushed me the day before. <laughs> I had a little bit of a conky. So um, I, had, I had treatment, and I talked to my agent a couple weeks before, and he said, like, yeah, there's nothing really imminent. And if they if they not trade you, they want to resign you. And I was playing, like, top four minutes, and I was feeling really good. I played with Jake Gardner and played like, around 20 minutes every night. It was it was good for me, good opportunity and, like, good time. Um, finally got my, my footing. Obviously, we're, we sucked that year. I think we're like one of the worst teams in the league. But for me personally, it was good, good playing and like good playing time. So I didn't expect anything until uh, that trade deadline day. And it was like three o'clock Eastern time. So I laid down, I don't know, around three or like two, two fifteen to take a quick nap. And I woke up at like, I don't know, three fifteen. And, uh, my girlfriend calls me and it's already like by then it was like already like three forty-five, four. So an hour past the deadline. And I was like, that's odd. Like we never really talk or maybe text, but like mm -hmm. if, unless something weird's happening, like we don't really call, like there's no FaceTime back then. It was just like regular regular call. So I was like, Yeah. And she's like, Hey, like yeah, I'm watching that uh, trade deadline center here on TSN and uh you just got traded. I was like, What? What do you mean I got traded? Like, yeah, it just came in the ticker down here. It said your name and you got traded, but I couldn't see the the team you're going to because it was so fast that I couldn't see the logo. And I was like, no chance. Are you have you looked at the clock? It's like an hour after. Like, I haven't heard anything. That's impossible. And he said, Yeah, like I'm, next time it shows up, I send you a picture. I was like, okay, send me a picture. Like I hung up. I was like confused as fuck. And then like literally like a minute later. I get a phone call, random Canadian number, and the guy like straight up didn't say who he was, whatever. He's like, "Hey man, it's a great trade for you," and I'm like, "Who are you? Like, where am I going?" And he's, like, "Oh, that's awesome. We put you right on air." So there's a TSN Trade Center. Oh my god! The guy from that like background or whatever, um, from the studio. He said, "Yeah, we're gonna put you right live. That's awesome. Like, great trade for you." And I'm like, "I, I, I don't know." Like what's going on? And they put me right on the show. And from that moment on, I have no idea what I said. I absolutely blacked out. I, like the guy said, like, I remember that's the last thing he said. He's like, hey, like, um, Robinian, that's a great trade for you. You're going from one of the worst teams in the league to the best team. Like Anaheim at that moment was number one in the whole league. Um, Anaheim. And that's when I found out who I got traded to. And after that moment, I was like, absolute blackout. I probably said like, my, my girlfriend told me after you just said like, yeah, I'm thankful for the opportunity I had in Toronto. Looking forward, obviously, it's a good chance for me to have like playoff games and like maybe win a Stanley Cup. And like, you know what you say when you like have yeah. no idea what to say, but like try to, to be nice <laughs> or whatever. And uh, I hung up and 10 minutes later, Dave Nonis calls me and he's like, hey, man, like, I'm sorry you had to find out that way, but we had to wait till the trade call was going through with the league and everything. So... We couldn't tell you and my agent didn't tell me anything so i had no clue and five minutes later 
Anaheim calls and they're like, Hey, so, um, great to have you. When can you come? And I was like, well, I'm on the East coast right now. We're here for a week road trip. I packed two, like one suit, mm. two shirts, like just enough underwear and socks or whatever. Um, I guess, I don't know, <laughs> tell me. And they told me, okay, now, now it's too late for a flight to the West coast, but you can come tomorrow. I'm like, all right, I'll fly tomorrow. And from that moment, I've never been back to Toronto. Like my girlfriend had to clean up the apartment, like sent me some clothes. I had this little suitcase with my suit there, my two shirts and a couple boxes she sent me with them. And we just had a newborn too. Like she was premature. And so she was in the hospital for a little bit, she just got out. So it was like, it was crazy, man. Like this, the trade, the first time getting traded was, it's always like tough, obviously, but the way it happened, it was wild. Yeah. And I just came to Anaheim and went through the medicals there and um, yeah. All of a sudden, I was part of that team. That's a crazy story. It must have been cool, though, as you said. Like, you went from the Leafs were not very good that year to going to a cup contender. And obviously, Anaheim, you know, the roster was pretty stacked with guys like Getzlav, Perry. Um, I believe BXA was there, Kessler. A um, little change in weather, too. Yeah. Uh, going from cool Toronto to, uh, you know, sunny and hot Anaheim. Um, it's kind of funny. Like, I don't want to like skip ahead too much because obviously you played in that system, played with Anaheim and also San Diego, which I believe kind of brought me to step or time two with Dallas there. Yeah. Um, but speaking of just kind of you brought it up, speaking of funny trade stories, um, you end up getting traded eventually from Anaheim to Nashville. And I believe there was a, a someone we brought up before on the podcast that was uh here for this and i just want to hear your your story about it like how it happened um, obviously our buddy marion bizani was i believe visiting you out in anaheim when the, this trade happened yeah it was funny my uh my brothers were there like uh, for a week or 10 days and then basically their last two days i think he came in a day or a day before so they kind of like overlapped a little bit but my brothers were leaving trade deadline day and he was there for i think Plan, I think another week or so, like five days, something like that. That's what he had planned. And um, Dallas was a coach in, in Anaheim back then. And I, same thing. I was playing. I had, I, I liked it. Like, obviously, I really felt comfortable in Anaheim. I've been there for five years back then. Um, it's a good, good organization. I loved living there. Um, everything was great. <clears throat> and same thing. My agent didn't have an idea he's like obviously like, i knew the second time around you know like if you're free agent at the end of the year you know you're in danger especially if mm -hmm. you're on your team that's underperforming you always know you're in danger um but i didn't expect it this time again i was like not like, basically i was not hoping it for it to happen so anyways we Baz was there and my brothers were there and they were like hey like before we leave we want to get a couple more jerseys from you for like people back home they asked for it so I was like, all right, we can go to the store. It's day off again. So we drive to the store and um, we, I go to the the cashier, like the, the guy there that works at the team store. And I'm like, so we need two holes of jerseys. Uh, I think one home, one away, whatever it was, or three. I, don't, I can't remember. He's all right. Yeah, perfect. Blah, blah, blah. We gave him the jerseys. He started printing the jersey. And it was already, again, I don't know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes after de the deadline time. And my phone rings while we're at the store. I look at my phone and it says Bob Murray, who's a GM by Anaheim back then by uh, for Anaheim. And I was like, oh no, I knew. 
I knew right away. And I would look at Boz and I said, like, I'm getting traded. He said, what? Hey, I got to answer this. So I answered, yeah. Hey, Holsey, um, just so you know, I just traded you to Nashville. Um, I got to do my job, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for everything. And and I was like, yeah, thanks, I guess. Like, crazy. And by the time I'm on the phone, the guy in the background on the machine who's printing jerseys stops printing. Because obviously, like, when you get traded, it's not just you getting traded. It's all your marketing rights. Everything's mm-hmm. getting traded, right? So you're not team anaheim anymore you team nashville or team whatever you're going to so everything that your name like all the rights they have for your name gone traded so the guy stopped immediately when he found out that i was traded too like he stopped he put the press up he was like i don't know if i can finish this i got to talk to my supervisor i hung up the phone and like um nashville called me 10 minutes later like yeah when same thing when can you come like we got a flight for from lax at seven and it was four o'clock at that time and Anybody who knows California or LA traffic from Anaheim to LAX is usually like if you have no traffic, it's 45, 40 minutes, but you have traffic, you can maybe go like an hour and a half, maybe mm-hmm. two if you get unlucky. So I was like, there's no way, no chance I can make that. Zero. I have to go home. I have to pack up all my stuff, everything, my whole house. I, I was lucky cleaning that you was there. So the house was clean, but I had to get, I, have, I told him, I, I, that's no chance I can make. Okay, there's another one at nine. All right, I can or eight. I I can make that maybe. So I had maybe three hours, four hours to pack everything. Anyway, said so before we went home, the guy goes like, "I gotta ask my supervisor if he can finish these jerseys or if he can sell them." And I was like, "Yeah, sure, that's fine." And he went back, came back. He's like, "Okay, so what we can do is like you guys can have the jerseys, um, or we can just throw them out like, if you don't want them anymore. Like obviously, like we mm-hmm. get it. Like, you don't have to pay for them. Like we just." take them out and that's it my brother's saying no no we want these these are the last anaheim jerseys from you so we're going to take these home so that he finished printing them and uh they took them home i went home i packed up all my stuff i had this sick really sick halloween costume that uh chewbacca i bought it for like 300 dollars or whatever it was it was i have an instagram on my instagram page i have a picture of it it's unbelievable. Like not maybe not the best picture, uh, best costume to wear in California for Halloween because it's absolutely steaming and hot. Yeah. But uh, I had that and I couldn't fit it anywhere. I bought two more bags at like uh, Dick's Sporting Goods and just to bring out all my stuff, I had like eight bags and I couldn't fit it anywhere. So the cleaning lady was still there. I was like, hey, you want this? And she's like, Oh my God. Yeah. My son would love this. Like, I want to take it. I was like, how much you want? I was just take it. I can't fit it anywhere. Just take it. So, um, yeah, my brothers left. Um, they went to the airport and, uh, Boz and I, like I had that car from BMW, um, and Bozzy stayed in my house for a couple more days before he left too. So it was kind of weird. I felt so bad. We tried to make it work. Like we talked about on the phone, like, Hey, maybe you can fly to Nashville and we hang out here. So we get at least like, have mm-hmm. a purpose for you coming here like and but the flights were so expensive and it didn't really make sense with the travel schedule for him so we're just like it, it sucks but at least you can enjoy some sun in california and then he went home but uh yeah kind of kind of another um crazy trade story for sure you've had some funny ones um or crazy ones i should say um good or bad but um you know there's one thing i want to ask you about like obviously you i believe you played 10 years over over North America and just kind of a testament to you like you know you battled for 
for those 10 years and never gave up. Like, you know, you mentioned like multiple times being, whether it was called up just to be called up and then sent down a day later, or kind of doing that call up grind that a lot of athletes go through, like played 200 AHL games, 297 AHL games, pretty, pretty impressive for a guy from Germany. Like, did you ever like think about that or look back on that? And like, there's kind of like gives you like some self gratitude being like, you know, I battled through this and that made me kind of who I am today. Um, yeah, I think so. That, uh, for me, the most important thing always was, uh, especially when I came over, when I first signed my con, my first contract, I signed with the Leafs it was a, a two year deal. And I remember like it was yesterday. I said, like, uh, just see how it goes. Mm -hmm. I'll probably after those two years, I come back probably who knows, but I didn't expect to be there for 10 years. Like, and I, I kind of worked my way from deal to deal. It was like, I never had more than two year deal. Um, most of the times it's just one year deals. Um, but looking back, uh, just working through all the adversity at times and just battling through stuff. Um, and like I said, for me, the biggest thing was when I left, um, after my last year in Nashville, <clears throat> I was like, I think I can look in the mirror looking back and just be like, okay, I, I gave everything I had and, uh, I tried as much as I can to, to make my dream work and, uh, stuck with it through like bad times to good times. And, uh, yeah, I, I left everything out there and in the end of the day, it, it worked out for a good chunk amount of games in the NHL and a good chunk amount in the AHL. And, uh, I had every second I had there, I, I cherish doesn't matter good or bad. Like for me, that formed me, uh, like shaped me as a person, shaped me as a, as a professional, shaped me as a player, helped me develop the way I developed in, in that way. And, uh, I don't regret anything. Like, obviously there's things you maybe would have done differently or maybe a little more different style or whatever, but I have no regrets. And that was my biggest thing when I left, um, going back to Europe or then to Russia, um that i was looking back that i was like okay like this is it like mm -hmm. i left everything out there i tried as hard as i can and i had a great time like i'm not saying i failed um i played over 200 games and I, it's funny because you never really think about it <clears throat> because you're in that moment all the time until somebody else from the outside tells you like you know what you accomplished like you think about where you're coming from like you're coming from a village of 1500 people from a country that hockey is not really the biggest sport ever like canada isn't like anything hockey is like a, a kind of like a outside sport not like everything is about football right so you're coming from a from a village of 1500 people from for a sport that not really anybody knows in your country um to make it to the best league in the world where like one percent of all hockey players make it so hearing that, that kind of puts everything in perspective where you go like, you got to look back and while you're still playing, obviously it's, you you always thrive for, for your best. Right. But mm -hmm. now that I'm getting closer to the end of my career, looking back, <clears throat> thinking about stuff like that and hearing that from other people makes you look back and you're like, oh, oh yeah, there's something you can be proud of. Right. So like I said, I can look in the mirror and. I'm I'm very grateful and very humbled by the opportunities I got over my career in that regard. And uh, like I said, I I think for me personally, 
um, which gives me a little bit of satisfaction is I, I, I left everything out there and uh, I left or made the most out of my opportunities I got and uh, controlled the, control, control the things I could control and uh, yeah, lived a good life in, uh, in North America and had a lot of fun and made a lot of good friends and uh, a lot of good experiences. And uh, yeah, it was, it was definitely fun being over there for so long. No, you raised so many good points there. It obviously is a tremendous accomplishment and for you to kind of, you know, realize that and kind of have that gratification or satisfaction being like, Hey, I did this. I left everything out there because that is something I feel an athlete is kind of forgotten. Sometimes like they, they focus on the, the bad versus the, like you said, I, you played almost 500 pro games in North America, which is a great fee. Like lots of people would kill to do that. Um, so that's a testament to you, man. Uh, honestly, it's it's really impressive. I'm happy we got to do this today. Um, three more questions for you. Like your your career, man. There's so many things to talk about. Like as you mentioned, you went to Russia. You played with Datsuk. Uh, another Peter or uh, Peter Hall. Yeah, was there. Yeah. Um, from obviously the Toronto days. Um, Holly's a big golfer. Um, yeah. from what I know. But we're gonna skip over that part. But uh, one thing I wanted to kind of ask you about. We brought up before with Dallas is. You've played from on three different occasions. Like, how have you seen kind of maybe him change over the years or adapt in terms of like whether it's his coaching style or like just kind of him as a person? Because obviously, playing for somebody three different times over a ten-year span, you know, not everyone's going to be the same. Um, I I think it hasn't changed so much um, to the last time I had him in Anaheim. He's basically very similar to then, maybe. A, at a notch more laid back in in certain areas but that was pretty similar and that's not too long ago when he was in anaheim mm -hmm. um i will say though like my first time in toronto like that was 2010 i went over 2010 2011 yeah it was my first year so that's uh 14 years ago almost um he has changed a little bit <laughs> he has uh not in the way um of coaching or like uh the way he treats his players and the way he cares about his players and stuff like that, but more about uh, how he handles certain situations. And I have to tell him this because I realized now, like I remember, I don't know you, you remember when he came in and you heard them talk about refs and stuff like that, that he really was like motherfucking refs back in the days. And he was big time mm -hmm. and he really like shut it down a little bit. But I can tell now, and I'm telling him, he's getting more and more frustrated with the refereeing here in Germany. I can tell because he's getting louder and he's getting a little more intense on the bench. And I'm always sit there when he starts yelling at the linesman for not dropping the puck or whatever. And like, it's like really like not as much as it was in Anaheim because he was really quiet then. And But it was like in Toronto, he would like in the Marlies, it was unbelievable. Like it was so much fun and like, just the way, like, he even had a way. He would even say that. He would admit that he, like, obviously he has his captains who want, he wants to talk to the coaches, uh, to the refs, and the rest of the bench better shut up. That's what it's like he was saying. Yeah. And he knew every ref, every ref. Like, the linesman, like, obviously, like, you know, in the minors, like, you basically, when in the Rico Coliseum, we basically always had the same two linesmen yeah. most of the times. And then we had two different refs sometimes, where you have, like, Terry Korhaski or, like, those guys, you know, the old school guys. And he knew exactly, like, to a T, and he would say that, how to handle certain guys. He knew, like, if he had, a, like, a, a ref, he would motherfuck during the game, he would get the next call for him, like, our way. And then he knew, like, certain guys he had to 
sugarcoat, and then we would get the next call. But he, if, if he would turn it around and motherfuck guys, he couldn't motherfuck. They would like, they would destroy us. They would up like we would go three, four PKs in a row, like just take penalties. Just fifty fifty calls would always go against us. Mm-hmm. But he had that certain way where he knew how to handle guys, but he was like he was into them and the rest. And that has changed a little, but it's coming back. So I have to tell him this. I always forget that he's getting a little I can tell he's getting a little frustrated with the refereeing sometimes in Germany. But uh his coaching style um in Toronto was I think he's more, I don't want to say matured, but obviously he was a younger coach back then in Toronto and he learned more, like more quiet, but he's always been detailed. Mm. He's always been about that and about the standards and everything. He's always been a guy who takes a lot of pride in how he lives his life and how he expects his players to go after their business and stuff like that. The high standard he's always talking about. And he's always lifted by example, and the way he treats his staff um, was the same in Toronto. Like he's like he would have great connection with the the physios, great connection with the the strength coach. He would people have him around, and it was always it was always a great culture in the room. Um, so he's really same as that. Um, he was a little more into <laughs> maybe uh, nutrition. Back then, like everybody knows the story, probably when he came to Edmonton, he took the donuts away in the in the uh, media room and yeah. and they took it the hard way. And now, when you talk to him about it, he probably admits that uh, that was the wrong thing to do. But that was him. Like you know, like he was always trying to make everything or make everybody around him better too, and like live to a higher standard. Not because he wanted to like piss you off or something, but he want actually cares about people. Yeah. And I think like when you work with him and. I've known him for 15 years now or longer. I think he was my player development coach or player development department in Toronto when I was drafted. So he always saw me in Germany play and everything. And so we've known each other forever. And he, you can tell, like, he just cares, you know, and uh, when you talk to him about certain things, um, the mindset he has, and obviously he developed that over the years, but the way he coaches and the detail and the standard he wants the 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 habits and stuff like that. He's just not saying that, like he lives that and he expects or like wants you to live that same way in a way that we can all be successful. And mm-hmm. that's what should be about in, in professional sports, I think so. No, I agree with that. He's the way he goes about every day, truly cares about everybody, like how he treats the staff and stuff has been really great for me. Obviously someone, uh, you know, just meeting him this year and, you know, he's been with us and with the players and stuff. As you mentioned, uh, German roughing is frustrating at times. So it's, it's going to get, it's going to get him eventually, you know, it gets the best of us, but uh, no, it's cool to hear kind of how, how you've seen him uh, either change or stay the same over the the years in certain areas. Um, Two more for you. Um, This one's kind of a two, a two-parter one, but um, you know, obviously now you're going in your third year, here in Mannheim, um, have you thought about how long you want to play for? And have you also thought about eventually one day when uh, the time comes to obviously retire, which it does come for all of us? Have you thought about what you'd like to do after hockey? Um, well, you kind of have to, I feel like. Um, obviously, for some people, it comes a little quicker. Some people, comes a little slower. Um, for me, I'm really enjoying to play still i enjoy being around the guys in the room 
Um, that's a big thing for me and it's, it's still a lot of fun. But on the other hand, obviously, like I know that I'm turning 36 in two weeks and uh, I know that uh, the end is near to say it that way. But uh, you think about stuff uh, where you, what could be and like what could you do after. Um, and for me, just being around hockey for, what is it now? Professional hockey for almost 20 years now. Um, you kind of want to stay in the business, I think. Um, the, what exactly it is coaching obviously yeah would be interesting i think i just uh i like being around the, the people like being around uh players being around the the room um well, who knows might be that or even like management stuff or player development stuff maybe a scout something like that like something around hockey because that's i think kind of like my bread and butter mm. something that i learned a lot um i was able to learn um a lot over the years i've seen a lot of countries um i've seen a lot of different styles of hockey i've I've experienced a lot of different players different styles um that help me understand the game understand the people um so it would be kind of stupid to go to to bank and sit there from nine to five <laughs> and do something else but who knows man like right now like i said i i love the game um, I love being around the people. I love being on the ice. And as long as I have that, um, I'd like to play. And as obviously a healthy, I want to mm -hmm. say healthy, like health is a big part. But I also understand um, that there's a time after and you have to think about it. And I am. And I feel like for me, the closer I'm getting to that point, the more I, I get interest in stuff around the game too. You know, like what does it take daily basis i don't know like you see stuff differently in an organization i i was lucky enough to be in organizations like toronto which is like probably the best organization in all of hockey like it's a business it's not just a hockey organization it's a business like the mlsc mm -hmm. and uh even there even with the marley's like talking to the office people there like i've always been interested in what's going on when i got traded to anaheim what does it take in a market like this in California where it's like 20 degrees every day, like the sun is out, nobody like, who thinks about hockey in California, really? When I got traded there, so it was like, how does it work for them to get people to the game? How does it work for them to have the, the game in people's mind that there's hockey? How do you develop the game there? Mm -hmm. You know, so I was always interested in that and curious about things. So I learned a lot in that regard that I was always, same thing, like I said earlier, like at the beginning, like as a young player, I was always kind of like that sponge who like was always asking questions, who was always like after people, like building connections with the media guys just to find out like how they work, working with the marketing, working or like talking to merch guys, like just get in conversations, like get to know them, like find out what, what, what makes them tick, like what does it do for them, like what's their job, like what can they do or what are they doing mm -hmm. to, in, especially in California, to promote the game or to get people uh, invested in the game. And Toronto is obviously easier because it's a no brainer, but how does that work? When everything's going your way in that regard, how do you sustain it and how do you even get better? You know, that's something else that I always like uh, was interested in and talk to people and just like stuff like that. And there's a lot of things like when I was in Russia, same thing, like, how does it work there? How is the culture here? Like um, you always try to learn, you always try to not just go over your business, but, 
actually like meet people, like with the people you work with, try to get to know them. Like mm -hmm. they always share, like they always like to share. Everybody likes to share a story. So um, it's always for me, like, like I said, um, learn from people. And if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're usually in the wrong room, right? So um, that's always been like stuff when I went through my career that I take with me and uh, wanted to learn from everybody around me and, and see see what you can take and for you and like uh, maybe help you down the road for whatever you want to do after. No, that's very true. I could definitely uh, see you staying in hockey after. I don't see you sitting at a bank job, so uh, don't don't worry about that. But that's good. That's cool that you thought about that because a lot of a lot of players, man, they just kind of focus on the playing, and then when the when it ends, they're kind of in like a, a phase where okay what do i do now and like you know i think it's smart like guys like yourself like you still want to keep playing and i still think you have the ability to but eventually it it will end and it's good to good to think about that uh life after hockey but um last one for you here because i know you gotta gotta get going here snack coming up snack coming up um what is one piece of advice or multiple pieces of advice you would give the younger generation listening so if you're speaking to some some athletes out there that are 14, 15, 16 years old, like what are a couple pieces of advice you might give them? I think, uh, I, I know this sounds uh, cliche, but like have fun in what you're doing, right? Like it's, uh, especially now, like uh, when you're older or like when you're more into that pro, pro time, like pro career, sometimes it can become more like a job in hockey like it's not like when you started playing where you just go out and just like you're out there for fun you know like games like obviously you want to win but games were fun like now is like sometimes like it can get to a point where it's just like it's a job mm -hmm. and like you lose sometimes the focus or like the 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 eye for like having fun like what what is it all about and the end they like yeah, i get it winning is fun but like just like enjoying the process of the whole thing um is fun too the journey to to wherever you want to go and just going out there enjoying every moment you're out there and uh you know you never know like when you start playing are you going to be a pro or not like you never know in that age so just having fun with it and just yeah go out and enjoy it and uh learn as much as you can don't don't be too hard on yourself most of the time i i've done that too that you're just like critic your your biggest critic but obviously um yeah just just have fun go out and uh be yourself and be be willing to learn respect the game what i said earlier um, and i think usually when you do that the game will respect you back and uh you you you, you kind of create your own path obviously working hard is cliche too but that's what it is like you got to go out and work it's, it always comes down to that if you're the hardest worker in the room it's it's a good start i think and, and anything you do it doesn't matter if it's sports or anything else um if you can do that and your work ethic is high and uh you enjoy the game you usually have a good chance of improving every day and uh, that should be your goal and then the the rest of it is just a it's just a journey you can enjoy and you should enjoy 100 percent agree um perfect way to end the podcast man i appreciate you uh you doing this good advice there for the listeners um, the young listeners out there obviously hope to have a career like you did, you know, get those 500 games and North American pro. I mean, you know, if there's any young European listeners out there too, like who's a better guy to kind of 
base themselves off than you. You've been through it all. Um, hope you enjoyed going through memory lane, even though sometimes we had to bring up the funny trade stories. <laughs> um, but no, man, I appreciate you taking the time, um, kind of sharing your story there. And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast. No, oh, thank you. Appreciate it. And for those listening, give this guy a follow on Instagram. Give us a follow on YouTube, all the Spotify streaming platforms, everything else, Apple Music. Until next week, cheers and ciao.